This message is brought to you by Regeneron. If you have diabetes, listen closely because your ears could help your eyes. Excess sugar from diabetes could lead to eye damage and vision loss, even blindness, and you might not even notice it at first. So remember, now is the time to get your eyes checked. Eye care is especially important with diabetes. See a path forward with actions and potential treatment options that may help your eyes and protect against vision loss. Go see an eye care specialist and visit nowic.com to take charge of your eyesight. That is N-O-W-E-Y-E-S-E-E.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 2 postgame show. The Bears won 17-13 as they hold on literally to the game's final seconds for that 17-13 victory. The Chicago Bears improved to 2-0 and here in the 2020 season, but man, is it a hard 2-0 to really just kind of accept right now. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We are here to break down this Week 2 Chicago Bears victory and Nick, as we kind of just begin our show and jump into the first quarter, what are your initial thoughts? First half, I was feeling great, cloud nine, and then the second half happened. Yeah, no, I, exactly. I mean, 17-0 to zero going into halftime. The Bears look good offensively, defensively, obviously pitching a shutout. I mean, it was looking like the Bears were going to just dominate this Giants team, but it really just ended up being another one of those close games that we have been accustomed to seeing from the Bears team through two weeks of the 2020 NFL season, and there's I think there's just more questions that even I have. We just before we went live, well, we're like, we the Bears are two and zero, but it definitely doesn't feel like that. I mean, we'll see at the bot, you know, obviously two and zero. We'll see the record there indicating that that is in fact what they are, but it just doesn't feel like they're an undefeated team right now. It doesn't. I mean, that's what happens when you have yourself in a position. Last week, we were on the opposite end of a comeback. The Giants were very close to completing one here in Week 2. And weirdly enough, I think both games ended about the same way, right, Nick? With uh, the other team knocking on the door, the Bears' defense having to close down and end this game. But with you, uh, we warned ourselves and even our listeners at the end of the last podcast or even the beginning when we were just talking about the Giants as their team the Bears should beat, which we saw that in the first half. But they're also a team you can't take lightly, and I think the Bears took their foot off the gas a little bit here in the second quarter. A couple of mistakes compounded those issues, but overall, the fact that they let this team come back without Saquon Barkley, uh, without Shepard at the wide receiver spot as well, and just on offense couldn't get much of anything going until they got Montgomery going towards the end of this game. That was a that was a tough second half to kind of absorb, and we're still digesting it as we go. But Nick. Is there any other initial thoughts, or are we going to move on here throughout this show? I know we have a lot to discuss throughout, but just any other gut reactions as we kind of kick it off? You know, I mean, that's what first came to mind, that this this game shouldn't have been as close as it was, but that's reality. That's who the Bears are as a team right now, and like I said, I think there's just a lot of questions that still need to be answered. 
Yeah, Bears were in position, it felt like, to get their first two-score victory since week four of last season, but not there just yet. So let's go ahead and share our Miller Lite monster moments of the game, which are going to be our most crucial moments, the turning point, the difference maker. Gosh, Nick, it's hard to not call the fourth down play that ended this game the most crucial moment of the game because they were there. They got in a position. I know they had a couple fourth down conversions on that drive too, the Giants did. Um, But the fact that we were able, I mean, they had pass interference on the offense, which ended up calling this game, but... Uh, Eddie Jackson making a good play in that ball as well. The Bears just holding tight. They bend as much as you can even really stomach bending, but they didn't break at the end of the day. So for me, I don't know what else could be a bigger moment than then, just like the DeAndre Swift maybe drop last week. But how about you? Do you have a different monster moment, a turning point perhaps, which I have a few of those, but just curious where your headspace is at, man. Yeah, I was like, when I was thinking about this, uh, there are a couple plays that I think the Bears just didn't make by themselves. Or really, I'm looking at Anthony Miller. Both of his drops in today's game, third down drops, and the one came in the end zone. That was an absolute dime for Mitch Trubisky. If they do that, what I think it's a it's a three score game at that point. And then they obviously scored a little bit more afterwards. But you're just kind of burying the New York Giants team. And no, that didn't result to the Bears, you know, obviously losing the game. But it would have helped to have at least that extra insurance policy and it was just how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client robots don't know you we do at farm bureau financial services getting to know you always comes first together we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Very good play, a very good throw by Mitchell Trubisky. And I think after that, uh, you didn't really see Mitch really target Anthony Miller. There's another drop that came later, but it just seemed like that was a missed opportunity. And it wasn't as big of a moment as yours because that's a game game-defining moment right there. But I just thought, hey, this is an opportunity, like I was saying on the preview show, where the Bears could just dominate a game, go up, just run the score. Didn't fa- they failed to do that, and that's just on Anthony Miller, who we've seen make a lot tougher catches in his Bears career, and he just dropped a couple of easy ones today. No, he really did. Uh, we'll talk about that once we get to the second quarter of the show. Nick, another monster moment, though. What about that P.I. call in Andy Jackson on that pick six that he had? I mean, it was... That was a tough one. I know the contact was there a little early, but it looked like to me he was playing for that football, and it's one of those uh, could have gone either way, and if he would have had that pick six, they would have let that one fly. That one would have been a dagger, would have been a, a nail in a coffin, but instead it allowed the Giants to just stick around throughout the rest of this game too. And then the missed field goal that they had too that could have made it a 10-point game, which we would have been in a really smooth sailing position. Instead, again, kept it a four-point game instead of that yeah, wait, what? Let me do math. Hold on. It was 17-13. No, it would have only been a seven-point game. But still, it would have been a little bit easier to breathe. Yeah, anytime you can get points and you miss that opportunity to take them, especially with how up and down this defense has been and how clearly up and down this offense has been, you need to take advantage of that. That's something that Matt Nagy, Mitchell Trubisky, everyone's been talking about. They want to get touchdowns, but you take points any way you can get them and miss field goals and just dropping touchdowns in the end zone. That's never going to help your team. Doesn't matter how you know how much points you've already scored in that game. You can always add on just to give yourself some breathing room. 
Yeah, absolutely. And of course, our Monster Moment is brought to you by Miller Lite. As the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. And of course, here at the Chicago Audible, our goal has always been to bring Bears fans together all across the globe. And that's more important really now than ever. So whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste. It's always close by with the original light beer, Miller Lite, who's already brought people together through Miller time. And of course, it's always great to toast a Chicago Bears victory with a can of Miller Lite. And for me, I mean, Nick, I don't know about you, but going out with friends is not the same as it used to be. So it's finding myself enjoying my Miller time a little bit more virtually. Maybe it's outside, socially distant with some of my closer friends, but it's just a little bit different. But at least we can sit here and we can toast this Chicago Bears victory right there with them. Plenty of great moments as well as Soldier Field with our Miller Lite. And no matter where you're watching the game, It's just always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. And Nick, let's go ahead and jump into the second quarter of the show. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears offense, which was honestly, let's break it down. Tale of two halves. First half, Chicago Bears offense. I thought things were going really well. Mitch was able to have some very effective throws. He was playing crisp. Running game wasn't as effective as I thought it would be out of the gate, but they were still able to use play action effectively. Again, they were able to expose, exploit some matchups. What did you see in the first half that you liked? I mean, of course, Mitch in those two touchdown throws, he had some sacks that he took that weren't pretty, but overall, I thought I can live with the Mitchell Trubisky that we saw in the first half. Yeah, I think you definitely can as as a fan watching Trubisky and obviously knowing everything that he's done thus far in his career. You, you'll take what he did because, like I said, there was a drop touchdown also that should have been in that first half by Anthony Miller. But you got to love the play where he extends the, extends the pocket, gets outside of the pocket. Really, the defense kind of engages and tries to go up towards him. That leaves David Montgomery wide open along that right sideline. He just becomes a runner at that point and just makes people miss and gets to the end zone. You love seeing Mitch Trubisky do that kind of stuff. You know he's athletic enough to do that stuff, and maybe even more consistently. And that's what you want to see more of from Matt Nagy. But then you just brought up some of those sacks that he took, or some of those bad plays. It's it's just him hanging on to the football for too long. And you know, at some point, it doesn't matter what the defense is or what guys they have out there, they will get to you if you stay there and give them an opportunity to. And that's what happened. So. You saw a little bit of ups and downs, but like I agree with you. In the first half, you'll take what Trubisky was doing because I think for the most part, they were safer throws. They knew they were going to get to the receivers, and you know, two of them ended up in the end zone. So you want to see that, just the decision-making. It's just really in that second half where things just kind of flipped again for, for Mitch. It did, and I think it's mostly play calling. The, the Both interceptions, we can talk about those separately, but I mean, there were both targets, Allen Robinson. Robinson was in a position on each. One of them was ripped away. The one prior, I think the defender just made a good break in the ball. It's a, a play and a route that they had a lot of success with in the first half, and I think the Giants just caught on to it. And Mitch, you made the throw, is there. Just a good play by the defender. So for me, though, looking at this first half, another good takeaway, another positive is that third down offense. Started that first half, they were 7 of 10 on third down. Uh, They were getting themselves in third and manageable, which is an area that I highlighted in our preview show that they just needed to find a way to get better. Uh, They were in third and five, and then third and one, two, six. They weren't in third and seven plus, third and eight plus, like they were a lot in week one, finding themselves 
in a better position uh, to execute on third down. They did a good job, uh, whether it's running the ball or getting some quick, easy throws to the outside or Mitch just taking a shot down the field. I thought overall that third down offense was much improved. Nick, did you see, I think everyone saw the improvement, What? but did you see anything specifically on third down that you can kind of hang your hat on here? Even though the second half, they only finished two of the final six, but going back to that first half, is there something on third down that you just are very proud of when it comes to the Bears this week? You know, I don't know if it's specifically on third down, but I thought throughout that half, the Bears just did a good job of distributing the football to everybody. There was this one drive... Um, where it was Dar- it was Darnell Mooney's um, 11 play 80 yard touchdown drive where it was Mooney got his first career um, touchdown Cole Komet had his first career reception so did Ryan Nall and I think uh, also Allen Robinson Rabs- caught a, a pass on that drive so it's a bunch of different guys getting mixed into the offensive scheme I think that's best for Mitch Trubisky because we've seen what happens if he just targets somebody a little too often. That's where the two Allen Robinson maybe interceptions come by. And like we'll talk about those with Robinson specifically, but it's nice to see them distributing the wealth, distributing the football to all their playmakers. Because we've been talking about it now. The Bears have some playmakers. You just gotta give them the ball when when the opportunity presents itself. But that's also something that I, that I liked. I don't know if that was just specifically on third down plays that was happening, but there was just a mixture of guys getting involved in the offense. Yeah, there were. I think in the very first half, there were nine guys who caught that football. Ten guys were targeted. Anthony Miller with his drop was not a part of the party there of everyone getting involved in this offense. But we did see a lot of firsts in this game, too. We had the first career catch from Cole Komet, first career catch from Ryan Nall. On top of that, a first touchdown reception for a Darnell Mooney. So a lot of firsts in this game. Uh, But what I liked on third down from Mitch was his ability to stay focused, stay calm, find the open guy. And if plays weren't going exactly according to plan, if his first or his second read wasn't there, he was buying some time, keeping his eyes up downfield, allowing the defense to almost, which is good, that he's starting to run a little bit more this year. You can tell the shoulder was hindering that ability last year. He's much more confident in that regard again, which sucks up the defense a little bit, and he's able to pick apart some of these bigger windows due to that. But I'm thinking about the throw to Montgomery along the sideline as well as that Darnell Moody touchdown, him just buying that time, even pointing like, hey, go over here and just trusting the rookie with a really good throw. Uh, Those are things that I hope Trubisky can build on. He was very lights out early in this game on third down. And speaking of lights out, uh, towards the end of that first half, even though Montgomery was sidelined at that moment still, and the Bears weren't running it super effectively, but they're sticking to it, that allowed play action, Nick, to really work out in the Bears' favor. He was picking apart that Giants defense at the end of the second quarter due to play action, whether it's a play for 12 yards, 16, or later on a little bit deeper as well. But I thought the ability to throw on third down is great. Using play action effectively is another great sign. It's just that it didn't carry over to the second half. No, it didn't. And, I mean, you saw a couple plays where play action and then where Trubisky had that nice little run where he does that little uh, little pump fake and that gets the defender up in the air and runs around the corner there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of the things that were working in that first half, and that's what it's all about, making those second-half adjustments, the Giants defense did a very good job of just shutting out, shutting out the Bears. Look, they didn't score any more points in that second half. And obviously the Giants were the only ones scoring um, after that first half was done. But, yeah, it's, it's something that we're seeing exact, the exact opposite of last game where the Bears couldn't do anything in the first, first three quarters and then turn it on for a fourth quarter. They start a strong, 
good first half, and then the second half is completely different. So still a mixed bag for this offense. And But I do I think we, what we can maybe salvage here is a rushing attack. I think overall, even today, the Bears are just doing a good job. There are a couple of big consecutive runs for David Montgomery, especially when they had that last possession. And obviously they didn't do anything with it, but it was an 11-yard gain, a 10-yard gain. David Montgomery mm-hmm. and just that offensive line getting to the second level. James Daniels, Cody Whitehair springing a Montgomery forward. And that's something that we said we wanted to see improvement. Just looking at the, the last week against the Lions, they had 149 total rushing yards. This game, it was, now I'm trying to look at it on here, 135. So it was a little bit of regression, but... I think it was still there's big plays that you're seeing from the rushing attack, and that's exactly what we want to see from the Bears' offense. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what those numbers were if you didn't lose Montgomery for the little bit of time we did, which, by the way, thankfully he's all right. Uh, that was a little scary hit, landing on the crown of your helmet, uh, came out for a little bit, was able to come back here in the second half, which is great. But you said it. I think towards the end of the game, uh, the fact that the Bears were able to kill, uh, they had a really long drive there. Not really long drive, but they had themselves a decently sized drive. How long was that one? Uh, we're looking at like about, about a six-minute drive after uh, they hit, went to start this half. Interception, punt, interception. So at that point, hey, we needed to establish something. And they did go 12 plays, 44 yards, primarily on the ground, like you said, Montgomery getting those chunks, uh, whether it's to the left or to the right, and he did a great job of finding those blocks, finding the creases, fighting through contact, and putting the team on his back a little bit. And it was nice to see Matt Nagy trust the running game really when it mattered most and when they needed to go down the field and choose some clock. They didn't overly force it through the air, which Nick, I would say even a year ago, we would have saw the ball much more in Mitch's hands in that situation, which probably wouldn't be the best case scenario for us, right? Yeah, absolutely. I remember there were times last year where the narrative or the question was like, can the Bears close out a game and rely on that rushing attack to just chew out the clock? You know, look, on that last drive that you mentioned, they didn't exactly you know finish their goal there. It's 12 plays, 44 yards, 5 minutes, 41 seconds, gets off the clock. But still, that's something that you definitely wouldn't have seen last year, those long kind of plays, those long drives. And, you know, it would be nice if you see a score to the end of that. But there is improvement. Juan Castillo, Clancy Barone, those guys are making improvements in this rushing attack. And I think you take the ball take the ball out of Mitch Trubisky's hands probably is the best-case scenario for his offense. Let's be completely honest here. It, we've seen already two games. It's still a mixed bag with him. So I think we, we can definitely look to see that continue to improve or just stay even consistent where it's at. But obviously you're always looking for improvement, but I like where the rushing attack is heading. I, I would maybe slightly dispute you there. I feel comfortable a little bit more with Mitch in the ball in his hands compared to last year so far this year. I know he had the two picks, but... I know, again, I think the second one you can put primarily on Allen Robinson. Like uh, That one is just a good play by a defender, but he should have held on. That was right in his mitts. Second one, yeah, maybe he locked on Allen Robinson, but another good play by the defense. It was a play they had a lot of success with in the first half, and he got to be looking out. I think there's a – yeah, I think that was a one there. But overall for me, I don't, like the certain nine on that final drive and Mitch dropped back to throw it, and even though it's – counting as a sack when he kind of was flushed out of the pocket he was trying to make something happen didn't happen but he got down inbounds which allowed the clock to go down a little bit more which I'm thankful for that that's really good awareness and secondly he didn't force anything crazy there that could have resulted in a pick and again the Bears were hoping to get at least three points on the board make it a seven point game 
then it comes to fruition, but Mitch gave him a chance. He didn't take a deep sack, which put him out of field goal range. He didn't make a bad throw that was resulted in an interception, and he stayed in bounds and he killed some clock there and only lost about a half a yard. So when the moment was when it was in his hands, one of the bigger moments for offense, he didn't squander the game. Luckily, this time. Well, hey, last game, <laughs> last game when the ball was in his hands, he also laid out a, a dime. So two weeks in a row. So twenty twenty so far. Yeah. Okay. Anything else uh, on general offense? We need to look at some uh, positions here specifically. I think we need to talk about tight ends. I thought overall they helped with the running game again, but I was surprised they didn't get overly involved in the passing game. Now, we warned ourselves as our listeners in the preview show that, you know, the Giants do a good job of covering tight ends, and the Steelers' tight ends a week ago didn't have a big game, and perhaps this wouldn't be the week for the Bears' tight ends to get going. And it just didn't look like the Bears really made that a huge part of their focus this week, right? No, yeah. So, I mean, they ended up Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet were the only ones for the reception, I believe, this week. So it's just – or even targets. Um, So it's not – uh, a big emphasis there was a play action pass to Demetrius Harris so they're looking to maybe try to get a big play there with one of their tight ends but it just seems like the exact opposite of what you heard in training camp and maybe that's why training camp stays in training camp and once it comes to the regular season you actually see what what ends up happening but the the tight ends haven't had as much of an impact as I was expecting early on this season we know Jimmy Graham scored that touchdown last week against Detroit but you're seeing that a lot of these guys are still looking to make a bigger impact on this Bears offense. It was really, I think they just they thought their matchups served better with their wide receivers. And I think for the most part, Will, you look at what Allen Robinson couldn't do. I mean, those two plays that we talked about, those two interceptions, Allen Robinson maybe should have come back to the football in that first interception. Was the throw a little late? Possibly. It's hard to tell on the first look. We'll have to watch the film to see that one. And then the other one's a 50-50 ball that you expect Robinson to make. That's some, that's a play that he always usually comes down with the ball. I know it's a little underthrown, but Robinson's accustomed to making that catch. And we already talked about Anthony Miller just failing to capitalize at two third-down targets. One would have been a touchdown. One would have been a first down. So it was a disappointing day, I think, for those two wide receivers, but I liked seeing Mooney step up and Javon Wims. Javon Wims had some clutch catches in this game that not maybe big catches, but they were clutch in just extending drives and just keeping the offense on the field. Yeah, I think overall you take away this a couple of these miscues. I won't even call them overall huge mistakes with some of these miscues on offense, and we're talking about a whole different ball game here. And Again, I think second half, they just wanted to go into uh, that 10-minute offense mode, which perhaps I, I get it to one degree, but if you could have just gotten one more score early in that third quarter, got up, heck, if it was uh, 24-0, 24-3, it's a much easier conversation uh, to have instead of it kind of letting the Giants come back in here, getting a little too ultra-conservative, which, Nick, this stems almost every lead that the Bears have ever had under Matt Nagy. We just get a little bit too... I'm going to use the word soft on offense and just not aggressive enough. And hopefully we can learn how to play with the lead and not allow it to come back so much. I mean, it's the NFL. Things are tight. Teams will find their way back. And, Nick, how much do you think not having a home crowd to kind of, like, keep things, like, motivated and, like, keeping that pressure on the Giants and being a quiet road atmosphere does kind of help a team? Heck, we did it last week in Detroit. But how does that maybe help a team allow them to come back a little bit easier? It has to. It has to have some effect. You know, it has to, but I would hope the Bears are not saying, well, this is why maybe we 
took our foot off the you know the gas pedal there or just didn't maybe play as effectively they would want to on you know offense overall but I think it's still an adjustment that every team has to make, right? And so we saw with the Bears. Now they know this is what a game is going to be like at Soldier Field from you know the foreseeable future. But you still just got to have that mindset, I would think, like, hey, let's go get points. Every drive is an opportunity to get points. And it seems like once the Bears got that 17-0 lead after the first half, there was just maybe, hey, we, could, we can kind of cruise here. We'll let our defense do a thing. And... You know, hopefully it won't come down to the final play. But, of course, that's what it comes down to, the very final play to see if the Bears can, you know, survive and get a, a you know second consecutive victory. But hopefully the next time they play at Soldier Field, which would be against the Indianapolis Colts, I believe, in week four, that's not the mindset they have. They kind of go out and look to score points every single opportunity. I'm sure they did, but it just didn't end up happening in this one against the Giants. For sure. Now, I know we talked about third down conversions something I wanted to point out as a positive early on in this game and a couple of spots in the second half as well but primarily in the first half was the Bears ability to overcome second and long because they did put themselves in a few of those second and long situations and they really utilized their quick passing game getting out to the perimeter and executing on screens to really recoup a lot of those yards and put themselves back into third and short, or heck, even just pick up the first down there. And a week ago, whenever the Bears were behind the sticks, they couldn't recover one bit. But we're able to see that happening with Patterson on the boundary, Cohen along the boundary, and just the Bears' overall ability to find a way to go from like second and 16 to a third and three. To me, that's huge. I mean, that changes the entire trajectory of any single drive Uh, anything that you wanted to point out there Nick because to me that's a huge positive on offense yeah you know what I kind of like that they went back to using the screen game I think at times last year that was just overutilized and it didn't get much production out of the Bears and just how the how they were using it but for this year just for the few screens that they have called they have been successful and just getting the playmaker the football whether it is a Cone or a Patterson just going north Right, just gaining positive yards no matter what it is. And I think that's something that really helps you, like you said, on those second and long and just makes things at least manageable on third down. Um, and I think that's something that you want to build off for Matt Nagy in this offense because when you have guys with such speed, like a Patterson, a Cohen, a Darnell Mooney, and you mitigate like the chance of a deflected pass, which is kind of happening a little too often in this game with Mitch Trubisky over the middle because you're just going to throw it to the left or the right, that gives you a chance to get some decent yards and make it, like I said, manageable on third downs. But I like when they're calling the screens. Obviously, when it, when it doesn't work, you hate it when they, you know, when they call it. But the times that Matt Nagy's called them so far, they he's gotten the defense, I guess, a little off balance, and they've gained positive yards. Yeah, and the the blocking is good on the perimeter. Did you mention Javon Wims block already? Because I know you tweeted it. I'm looking at this. Yes. By the way, this. This Cowboys-Falcons game's nuts. Apparently Dallas got the onside kick. It's 39-37. Dallas has the ball at the 30. Uh, I'm watching the game cast here, but yeah, apparently Atlanta's given up that lead, and they're squandering this one away too here, Nick. So keep people posted <laughs> if they're watching it. 42 seconds left, third and eight at the Atlanta 28 for the Dallas Cowboys, by the way. But Javon Wims, getting back to him, I thought he had a sneaky sneaky really good day he had that really good block in the screen which by the way is like flexing afterwards at the sideline like hey you know I had that block and I'm the reason why we we're able to spring this thing then he had uh I think both of his catches were third on third down right for first down conversions so. 
I call that one third down conversion. I think I tweeted whimsical, and you told me to stop <laughs> it. You didn't like it, or is it just too much? Uh, so it's funny. Um, I'm watching the uh, the Bears game with uh, my friend Ben, and then my girlfriend. They're like, "All right, I bet you Will's gonna." you know tweet something about whims and they're like whimsical he's like that was whimsical like oh gosh so there was something on the mooney right you tweeted that last week so Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah i was just i was just messing with you there well (laughs) well geez am i that predictable or am i you just know like something clever's coming and we have to figure out what it is some dad joke is coming and (laughs) you didn't let me down (laughs) damn it it happens, Nick. Uh, now that you have your puppy baby, you'll start getting into the dad jokes here eventually, too. Um, perhaps, though, and they may not be in English. I don't know. See, that was a terrible yeah. one. But <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else? I know Robinson uh, targeted nine times, which is three more than any other player on this Bears team, but only the three catches, 33 yards. Uh, we know he was targeted on both those interceptions. He's someone that, uh, good news, I don't, we haven't even said it, but it looks like they are going to be getting back to those contract talks and they're getting closer which is great news, but the bad news is it wasn't his best game today. No, yeah, and it started off really well with that great first catch of the game, right? I think, I don't know if it was a third down conversion, but it was, you know, in between two defenders. He lays out, makes a catch, and then from there, it just didn't seem like Robinson was making as much of an impact as you normally would see, right? And we talked about the two interceptions, I think, enough at this point. But I don't know. Is there just more on his mind right now? Is is like the contract talks up and down? Like, yes, it sounds like the Bears are going to be talking about a possible extension, hopefully in the range of money that he's looking to get to. But this wasn't the performance that you want to put up there for a guy that, for yourself, when you think you deserve this this type of money. And he's already done enough in his past history to deserve that type of money. But it was just an off day for Allen Robinson. I thought the matchup really favored you know, for him to have a big day, and that just wasn't the case. Yeah, and then Miller with his drops, which, by the way, the play, the touchdown that he should have had, what a beautiful play that was dialed up there by Matt Nagy. Sending Miller in motion, almost on a little wheel route across the sideline. I mean, I saw it. I was like, oh, 17, 17, and my kid's like, yeah, and then the ball's dropped, and it didn't come to fruition. But I love the play. I love the design. I love the ball by Mitch on that one. It's almost that plays almost a microcosm of the entire game, right? Like it all went so well, and then just right there, you just couldn't totally execute on the, the entire thing. By the way, uh, Giants, I mean, Giants, Cowboys completed their comeback, not the Giants. We already know that one, but the Cowboys completed theirs, so they won. They beat the Falcons. So 40 points uh, the Falcons gave up this week. Uh, not that I don't expect the Bears to score 40. But it may be a good thing that uh, sign for this offense to have a, another opponent where they can find their groove, gain some more momentum on that side. Other than that, Nick, I wanted to talk about Montgomery just a little bit more. He did average 5.1 yards per carry, uh, 82 yards on his 16 touches, but he also led the team in terms of uh, receiving yards, three catches, 45 yards. I know the big one was that 28-yard touchdown which was a lot of him doing some great things after the catch. But for a guy that missed some time today with a neck injury to come back. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. 
in and still lead the team uh, on the ground as well as through the air. For a guy who had a very tough season a year ago and people are wanting to see more out of, I thought that's a really encouraging sign for over 127, or I think if my math is correct on the spot, total yards for him today. That's a pretty big day. Yeah, and we've been wanting to see more from David Montgomery, specifically in the receiving game. It's just Matt Nagy called plays where he is more so a wide receiver than he is a running back and just see what he can do in open field. And we saw some good things today. And that 5.1 yards per carry is up from last week where he was at 4.9. So you're seeing a little bit more progression and efficiency from David Montgomery, despite having what could have been you know a scary injury when he landed on his head there. But yeah, that's exactly what I was envisioning for David Montgomery with a guy like Matt Nagy just finding mismatches, getting him out when you want him, flex him on a linebacker and, you know, maybe get a big play out of it. And obviously we know he's a tough, tough runner. See how he just finishes a lot of those runs, just fighting for extra yardage there. So, yeah, that's exactly what I want to see from David Montgomery. Through two games, he's already looking far better than all he did in his rookie season. There are a lot of things wrong with that rookie season in terms of the offense, but For Montgomery, I like where this is going. He just needs to stay healthy. Obviously, he had that groin injury coming into this season. It looks like he looks pretty good to me when he's running the football well. So he just needs to continue to do what he's doing right now through two games. I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, get more touches, get into that group. I mean, he got better as his game wore on. Offensive line did, too. Uh, looking at this as Bears offense, one more thing that stands out to me uh, is just the ability to really push that ball downfield a little bit today. Montgomery averaged 15 yards a catch, Mooney 12, Robinson 11, Jimmy Graham 18, Cohen with another 15, and Komet with 12. So that's five guys who averaged, I think, 12 yards or more per catch today. And for an offense that couldn't even really throw the ball six yards last season, that's a good sign. It's about double. Okay, I think it was like almost seven last year. But you know what I mean. It's just good to see them pushing the envelope, throwing a little bit more downfield, and maybe they're not the complete bombs that we want to see stretch out of defense entirely, but that intermediate passing game is coming along rather nicely. Anything else, uh, either individual, general thoughts on this offense, Nick, before we kind of wrap up our discussion on them today? Yeah, just kind of looking, quick glance at the box score here, just talking about those longer plays. Those are explosive plays. In receiving game, It's it's got to be 15 or over to be deemed an explosive play, but there's also a lot or a couple in there for David Montgomery. They show the 23 is his long run, but there's just explosive plays actually happening in this offense. That helps. It helps when you don't have to just ha- sustain a long you know, offensive drive and, you know, there's there's more susceptible to mistakes and things like that. But I like the the, the explosive plays that even what you saw in, in week one against Detroit, a lot of them happening in that fourth quarter, but they're building and starting to consistently get more explosive plays thus far in 2020. And if they can consistently do that, I think we're seeing progression for this offense. I know like maybe the points doesn't really show that only 17 this week and all coming in the first half, but explosive plays, which the Bears were ranked dead last in last season, they're starting to accumulate them thus far through two games. Yeah, only uh, two plays, I think, today uh, went for 20-plus for the Bears, and both of them came from David Montgomery, whether it was a rush or his 28-yard reception as well. So uh, number 32 is coming in clutch with those explosive plays. Nick, we didn't really talk about Darnell Mooney. We know he got the touchdown. I mentioned that. He came you know, away with another good catch he had uh, three targets today he caught all three for 36 yards 
I don't want to start taking him for granted already. It is only week two, but he's just so solid and consistent when the balls are going his way. I'm pretty sure, knock on wood, but I think he's caught every ball that's been thrown his way this season. If I go back to last game, I'm pretty certain he was like three for three or four for four again. Uh, So there's someone that's pretty darn, well, money when he is thrown his way. Is there anything about his game that we haven't said yet that you saw today? I liked his ability after the catch. I like his awareness, even though he did fumble that ball, his awareness to go down, the instincts to get it. I mean, that was potentially super dangerous, and luckily it wasn't. Um, But, yeah, I just like his ability. And the chemistry between he and Mitch, too, is something that hasn't been talked about a lot. I think there is something maybe special brewing there, kind of like he does with an Allen Robinson, that trust factor. And if that can really get established, it's only week two. If that can, by the end of the first quarter of the season, week four, oh, man, that could be something to really watch this blossom throughout the entire 2020 year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think he's just really blown expectations for me in terms of what he's been able to do and how efficient he's been through two weeks and look we're not even talking about Riley Ridley right like that's a guy that I know obviously wasn't he wasn't healthy or healthy scratch week one but and Ted Ginn Jr. was a healthy scratch for this week and Mooney's just stepping up showing that this is not too big of a level and he's making the most out of his opportunities like you said the fumble he knew immediately once that ball hit the ground, let me go and just put my entire 170, 180 pound body on that ball and, you know, for dear life, not let that go. But he he does good things when the ball is in his hands and makes big plays for this Bears offense. Even though he's not targeted very much yet, he's only going to grow and become more of a focal point for, for Matt Nagy, know, knowing that he can trust him already through two games. And I don't think we're... We're worrying about maybe Riley really taking that next step because Mooney's just burst onto the scene. We would like to see it. We definitely would. But seeing Mooney have success so far really helps with that. Yeah, and I know there are a lot of people in the chat too that are just talking about Mooney as a blocker as well, as another really uh, you know interesting element of his game that he just brings to the table. And you got to make sure we're highlighting that too. Yeah, absolutely. The inside—it was an inside run too. So Mooney's getting in there with the big guys. Yeah, right he's in not the afraid. And yeah, and Montgomery gets a good gain because of the blocks. Again, it was team blocking, but Mooney's in there, and that was impressive to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. Other than that, tail of two halves for the Bears' offense. First half, a pedal to the metal, really keeping that Giants' defense on their heels. Second half, they kind of want to chew the clock a little bit more. Doesn't really work. All too well. A couple of uh, mistakes and miscues between Trubisky and Robinson really kind of hindered. Gave the Giants some short fields to work with, which is a good caveat of why they were able to work their way back into this game. Nick, any final, final thoughts on offense before we move over to the third quarter of our show? Yeah, I think just for the offense, I just want to see more consistency. Look, it's just too up and down where they're you know very good, and then where there's just a bunch of issues with it. Where's going to be that happy medium? I was just looking on Twitter to see what you know Matt Nagy's kind of saying. I think he said right now, we're okay. Like the team, mm-hmm. I, someone asked him, like I don't know what the question was, but he just feels like they're okay. And honestly, they're 2-0, and but they really are just okay. I want to see offensively them take a step, not just in the rushing attack, but all over as an offense just to become more consistent. So we'll see if that happens, though. Yep, absolutely, Nick. Let's go ahead. Before we jump into the third quarter show, you know, the Bears, we talked about it, uh, those two turnovers today, so they weren't really taking care of the football. But, Nick, here we're lucky because we can take care of our balls. And you want to tell us a little bit more about our show sponsor? 
Yeah, so support for the Chicago Audible is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. I was fortunate enough to use the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, and let me tell you, the 18 months that the engineering team at Manscaped put into the third-generation trimmer is simply amazing. The Lawnmower 3.0 features advanced skin-safe technology, it's waterproof, and it has an LED light, so which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Here's how you can get your hands on the Lawnmower 3.0 and any of Manscaped's great products. Head to manscaped.com and use the code TCA and you will save 20% off and get free shipping. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code TCA at manscaped.com and that's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped and use the code TCA. Yeah, I mean, I have this nice little bag here still that it came for, it came with, and it's a good way to, it's a good pouch to put all your stuff in to protect your own, well, I guess it could call it a pouch, but that'd be a kind of weird term for it, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah, but you could, it would, be different. it would be different, and I like to be different sometimes, so that works for me, but really top-of-the-line product there from everything from, uh, the like, it's a ball bomb, I believe, and uh, deodorant and the, the lawnmower, like you're saying. I mean, everything from Manscaped is just so top-notch. It really is. And again, code TCA, 20% off. This is a free uh, free shipping as well. And this is a trial run for them on our show. And they're hoping that enough of our listeners take advantage of our offer. And if so, they'll be looking to help extend their partnership with us, which, of course, helps Nick and I and our future here at the Chicago Audible. So again, check out manscaped.com, code TCA, 20% off and free shipping. All right, Nick, let's jump into the third quarter of our show. Let's talk about that Chicago Bears defense, which first half, I was feeling pretty good. They're flying the football. Secondary wasn't allowing anything easy whatsoever. Really couldn't get too much going on the ground. I know Barkley had a pretty big run, and unfortunately, uh, he got hurt soon thereafter. But like the offense, I'm going to call it tail of two halves. What did you see in the first half that was so good or that you're taking away that was positive? Yeah, I think just like you said, like initially after this first half ended, I'm like they have the, that dog in the fight, really. They feel like the, everyone's just kind of rushing and going towards the football, the pass rush when Quinn and Mack were on the field, which didn't happen very often, mostly just on third downs for Robert Quinn. They were collapsing the pocket and were able to make things not feel comfortable for Daniel Jones in that first half. And like you said, they pit, I mean, zero points. That's exactly what you want to see from a Bears defense. And Deion Bush just jumping that route, just knowing exactly what the wide receiver or the tight end's doing on that play, getting the interception. So you saw the defense flying around and looking like the defense of old. But that was just a half of football. They come out third, you know, third quarter. It just seemed like almost like the offense. They just took their their foot off the gas pedal for some reason. Don't know why the Bears always seem to do this, whether it's offensively or defensively, just in the second half sometimes, where now you're allowing Daniel Jones to have a little bit more time in the pocket. You're allowing him to complete passes over the middle for big gains, just receivers on crossing routes. So, Again, a tale of two halves like you said, but I can't quite pinpoint why. Why do we keep doing this? We keep talking about this every single show, whether it is offense or on the defensive side of the football. Is it just going to prevent like a little bit too early? Like They just play off. The pass rush seems like they're not really rushing 
four or more. It's almost like they're rushing three at times, and they're keeping some of the better pass rushers off of the field and letting them stay a little bit uh, you know, more fresh for maybe some of those true third down, maybe pure passing situations. But it does seem like maybe Chuck Pagano does get a little less aggressive with a lead to try to protect it instead of give up a big play. But with the Bears defenders that are on this field, even if you are playing aggressive, I wouldn't really expect or anticipate a big play to happen just due to the, all the talent that they have. Yeah, it's it's weird how, and I see that all over Twitter. Is it Chuck Pagano just being more conservative or what exactly? It, you know, to be completely honest, it's hard to tell, but it, it does seem like that way where for some reason we're not seeing that same exact type of defense. It, play calling wise, maybe it's just the mentality of each individual player. You have guys that are, you know, getting bad I think just bad penalties. You have Roquan Smith in a tough situation where Daniel Jones is sliding right in front of him, gets the you know the 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 penalty there. But there are just certain things that you see within the second half that you're just scratching your head, wondering, well, why is that happening? The Giants were, I think, backed up within their own what five yards. Mac and Quinn both were on the field for that very first play, and I just I put that in my notes. I'm like. This seems like a great opportunity to have both your best pass rushers in the game. It was Vodders and then Barkevis Mingo. Uh, it was a first down play, so it could have been pass or run, but they're backed up in their own territory, the Giants are. And Mack and Quinn are just not on the field. It's strange, strange, I think, um, you know, scheme there, just personnel decision. But it, there's just, I think, a lot of things that are playing into why the Bears are exactly kind of giving up these leads in the second halves here. Yeah, and we've seen it last year when the Bears had their slim leads, and there's a reason for it. I think it's just due to the fact like we said, just maybe a little bit too coy, a little bit too passive, when they should just keep, you know, putting their pin their ears back and just getting out there. But when we get looking at that first half, uh, uh, Robert Quinn he came out and he already made a big impact uh, on his very first play of the game, third play for that Bears defense with that forced fumble. Uh, Cleo Mack was able to get that fumble recovery. Uh, that's something that we need to see more out of this tandem. But overall, when it comes to Robert Quinn, what was your take on his this Chicago Bears debut? For someone who hasn't really practiced, got some, well, until this week, really, getting out there, I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with you because I can't wait until the snap counts actually come out of how many times he actually played because it was primarily third down plays where you saw Robert Quinn mm-hmm. on the field. There wasn't a lot of first or second or I have, again, have to go back and rewatch the game to see if he would, was even on the field at that time, but for the limited opportunities, that's exactly why Robert Quinn was brought into brought into the Bears defense when you have him rushing the passer and then Cleo Mack also right there, it puts so much pressure And we're back with breaking news. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. Make sure to... Jim. Ooh, yes, this tastes like the best Coke ever to me. We're on the air. I need to try it first. With Zero Sugar and refreshingly delicious, is Coca-Cola Zero Sugar the best Coke ever? Pick some up at Hy-Vee today. Pressure on any offensive line, and especially quarterbacks. Daniel Jones had a trouble uh, putting the football on the ground, and that's exactly what he did first time. Robert Quinn gets to make an impact on the Bears defense, but I liked what I saw, and hopefully we see him play a little bit more because he can play the run. He's not just pure 
primarily a pass rusher. That's what he does best for sure. But he could definitely play the run, and I think they're just kind of acclimating him because of a condensed training camp, not even really practicing much. But I like what I saw initially from Robert Quinn. Yeah, and two things that we were wondering how they would kind of play out did come to fruition. Number one, when I saw Robert Quinn, tell me if you saw otherwise, but he was lined up on the right side of the defense or the left side of the offensive line. I don't think I saw him on the other side. And then secondly, I saw him a lot with his hand in the dirt, which we talked about in his career. He's a much more effective pass rusher being that hand-in-the-dirt guy instead of a stand-up outside linebacker. I, I think I saw him in both, but I did see him a lot putting that hand in the dirt i have to go back and watch um but usually when i saw 94 and i saw his hand down i'm like aha and i jotted that down a couple of times but those were things that we were wondering how pagano would utilize him if he would kind of tap into some of robert quinn's strengths and i don't know if it's just due to him missing practice and like well just do what you do best and we'll figure out the rest later or if this is how the bears are looking at just getting him utilized into this defense and just leveraging his strengths and helping take the top off of this defense. Uh, Anything else on Quinn, or did you see the same things there? You know, I just hope that that's just the recipe for success or how they want to use Quinn. Don't take him out of his element, putting him in in a two-point stance or anything like that. He likes having his hand in the dirt. He likes rushing on one particular side as opposed to the other, and let him do that. Because anytime you mix, I guess, mess with that, I think that just takes him out of his element. He's expressed that um, before earlier in his career about, yeah, I like putting my hand in there. I like just going after the quarterback. So let him do that. That's what he does best. And for Bergano, we're already questioning what he's doing in second halves. Don't make that another thing that we have to question. Like, why are you doing this with Robert Quinn? If we ever see him drop back in coverage, I might lose it, Will. So let's not see that happen, and I think we'll be just fine. Yeah, uh, speaking of losing it, uh, real quickly, in a good way, I saw we had two Super Chats come in, two of them, uh, throughout this show so far. One from a Chris Lopez and another one from Brandman. Just want to say, hey, we see those come in. Thank you so much. That really does help us. We ask for donations on the show. Haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, but the fact that we saw a couple of those super chats come in here through YouTube, uh, that does come back to us. We do appreciate that support of our show, our analysis, and this postgame show. Thank you much to both of you. Uh, Nick, looking at this defense, uh, let's talk about a bad man. Let's talk about Eddie Jackson just for a little bit because he was all over today. He was making great plays in the football. He was making some really hard hits, some really sound open field tackling. Nothing that we haven't seen before on his P.I. slash pick six that I'm still a little disgruntled about that call. He just reminded me just how lethal he can be. The fact that he took that thing all the way back to the house, going to the sideline, cutting all the way back into the far hashes. Like, he has so much stamina, so much speed, and he can just, that vision's incredible. And we haven't seen him on offense yet. I kind of want to see that now. I know. They were talking about putting him on offense, even if it's for, like, one or two plays. Like, I would want to see that. But as soon as A. Jackson, you know, caught that ball and obviously it was, it was pass interference, for some reason I just knew that he would end up in the end zone. That's just what he does. If he gets an interception, good chance he's going to find a way to maneuver through all the people trying to get to him and end up in the end zone, which he did. But looking at it, I was like, okay. Uh, yes, I would love to see it be a stand for a pick six, but he got there slightly early. I, it, it, you know, it sucks, but he's he's right there though, making yep. a play. It was obviously, uh, you know, pi, but you saw him and you mentioned some of those big hits. I'm surprised Golden Tate got up as easily as he did after that huge hit he took when the Lions were going. They were 
threatening to score, and hey, Jackson comes out of nowhere, just heat-seeking missile, hits Golden Tate, and I'm surprised that Golden Tate was able to get up. He's a strong guy, but that was a big hit from A. Jackson. No, it really was. Jackson was playing at a high level. Nick, I thought we saw good things from every member of the secondary at one point or another in this game. I'll let you have your moment with Dion Bush in just a second. Uh, I know that's coming. <laughs> I've been waiting for it this entire episode. Uh, but to Sean Gibson, uh, the Giants had a third down play near the goal line, and they got the fourth down. It was like fourth and like one. They punched it up afterwards. Um, but they were trying to expose Gibson into the flat, and Gibson had great coverage on there, gave Daniel Jones not even a sliver of a window to make that throw, and that's why Jones throws it to the back of the end zone and lived to fight another day. Really good coverage there. And then both of the corners, uh, Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson, just being so aggressive uh, at the point of attack uh, where the ball is meeting the receiver in his hands. Johnson got two passes defense. So did Kyle Fuller today. And I love the technique that Johnson has of going over and around. And he goes in with that fist. And they're taught to use that fist because when that ball hits your hand, that way it usually bounces up. And when you can do that, it's, well, we saw what can happen on the other side with the, the Trubisky interception with Allen Robinson. But that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping the ball hits you in the hand. You kind of punch it out, dislodge it, and it pops up, and it's an easy tip drill for the defense. Uh, Buster Screen, out of all of them, probably had the, the weakest day. I know he had his six tackles. Uh, he was around the football. But overall, I thought Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, and Tashawn Gibson I thought all four played really strong today. Anything about them that you wanted to add? And then, again, I was very generous, and I'll let you talk about Deion Bush. Yeah, no, when you look at the secondary, and we always talk about maybe this Bears pass rush being the strength of this defense, and I still think it is, but that secondary is right there, Will, because they're all those guys you just mentioned and the capable just playmakers that they can be, right? And look, Deion Bush got his opportunity. He made the most of it, getting a great interception. And there were times, though, I think what at late in the game, Evan Ingram, he beats him uh, over for a, a big reception on third down. So, look, Deion Bush made the most out of you know the few opportunities that he gets, but he still we want to see more consistency, and that's why maybe he didn't win that starting job and Gibson was named the starter. But there are good plays from each one of those guys. And, yeah, I'm really, really liking what I'm seeing from Jalen Johnson. He's not a liability out there. He never has been. And he's just someone that plays such sound coverage. He's, there's not I, There hasn't been a play where I've seen where he's just beat. And I'm like, okay, he's a rookie. That happens. But, no, it's he's usually right there, if anything. And I think we're seeing improvement from week one to week two. And Kyle Fuller, I think it was on the very first uh, drive of the game, just breaking on a slant route on third down. And, you know, it's not the easiest thing to do because Kyle Fuller usually plays seven to eight yards off, but such quick instincts and just his ability to get to beat the receiver to the spot, that's what makes Kyle Fuller an all-pro corner. And that's why he's one one of the more, I would say, even underrated guys in the game. A lot of people don't peg him as a top 15. I don't even know where I had him at. But he is one of the best at just making those quick reactionary plays and we, we saw Jalen Johnson, too. I think he got beat on one play. The very next play, he's in on a tackle in the scrum of things. I'm mm-hmm. like, there you go, Jalen Johnson. That's exactly what I want to see, that next play mentality. However you got to do it, Jalen Johnson's willing and able to do so for this defense. Oh, he really is. You talked about it. I mean, that's a good way to get your frustrations out. You know, oh, I got beat on a route. Oh, wait, they're running it up the gut. Let me just get in there and make a tackle and just play aggressive and just get out some of that anger, some of that frustration. That's awesome to see, and the fact that you know he's not shy in run coverage, run support. 
Neither is uh, Kyle Fuller on the other side. It's, I mean, it really helps you dominate each edge, each sideline, because you can't get out there because both corners are willing to kind of get into the mix a little bit. And you talked about Fuller, and we've talked about it a lot, but it was on display today. He does play off, and that's okay because his closing speed, his ability to break when the quarterback's making that throw and to meet the receiver at the point of attack, I mean, it's second to none. It's one of the best in the NFL. We've seen it over the years, but he just he looked locked in from the very get-go today, Kyle Fuller did. And I think that's what kind of set the tone for that secondary. And then Bush got in on the action. And then he had Eddie Jackson. On the other side, Jalen Johnson. It's a lot of fun to see. And I expect if this pass rush can just get revved up a little bit more, Nick, I just think we're getting this close from a rash of turnovers just coming from the secondary. They're getting close. They need to get a little bit more pressure on these QBs consistently, and I think you'll start seeing those happening. Uh, what about you? Are you starting to feel that? I just feel like we're just we're on the cusp. We're on the cusp. We just need a little bit more from Mac, a little bit more from Quinn, maybe some interior push, which Akeem Hicks, we'll talk about him, had a very strong first half too. But I just feel like this defense, it's starting to feel, even though they've given up some of these second halves, well, a second half and a first half, <laughs> so a complete game, I guess, uh, but much better, I thought – Pagano expected a much stronger outing. Overall, I thought today was better. And if they, can, if they can take the same kind of jump we saw week one to week two to week two to week three, uh, now I'm starting to get real excited about what this defense can do. Yeah, me too. And I think the thing, too, different from last week where the defense should have lost the game because there was a breakdown in coverage and, you know, just DeAndre Swift drops the football. This week, look, Eddie Jackson was right there. There was a pass interference on Golden Tate, and, you know, it was called. They didn't lose the game. They 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 held strong, and they prevented the, the Giants' offense from scoring as opposed to the Lions' offense just failing on themselves from scoring, right? So we're seeing gradual improvements. The turnovers were there. The sacks were, were now even there for, for this Bears' defense. And 17 points – or giving up 13 points, that's enough to win you a ball game. That, that should win you most football games. So they're doing their thing thus far, and they are making improvements. We just expect so we expect this defense to be lights out, like every phase, every single time, and they have the guys to do that. But they're ma- they're making the steps, taking the steps in the right direction to kind of get to what you were saying, Will, where you put it all together. Now we can see why everyone pegged this defense to be you know top five, top ten. I, you you mentioned like Akeem Hicks, and we definitely saw him make a bigger impact in this game. But I also saw some flash plays, which I was expecting to see from like a Roy Robinson Harris, mm-hmm. and it's at times like a Bilal Nichols. So I, if we get a good mixture of guys just contributing, that's going to lead to this defense really maybe exceeding our expectation or even meeting those expectations. Yeah, they are. And I thought overall, Akeem Hicks, he came in there. Uh, he had his three tackles today. He had the sack. Uh, he was around the line of scrimmage. He got a couple of plays against the run that are right at the line of scrimmage. I don't think they counted for tackles for a loss, but to me, they're just as dominant when you're just keeping them for a no gain. So overall, I thought he looked much more improved. Up front, I still think we're missing Eddie Goldman, though, a little bit uh, at that nose. John Jenkins, uh, actually on Barkley's big run, uh, was exactly why I had it set up as one of my back-breaking matchups, uh, just because he did get turned around. He did get shoved out and opened up that A-gap tremendously, allowing them to reach that second level, which sprung Barkley. They weren't able to do that again, probably due to the fact that Barkley ended up, unfortunately for the Giants and him, uh, tearing that ACL, which that's a tough break for them. Uh, but yeah, overall, that defensive line 
improvement it is the Giants and I think their def- offensive line we knew wasn't going to be great um, but I think nose up front is still going to be my biggest concern and we have to keep our eyes on it uh, blown nickels uh, as well as John Jenkins. I know we saw uh, Mario Edwards at, out there as well towards the end of this game, but he's more uh, he's still getting acclimated. It would be interesting to see what kind of impact he can have as his role continues to grow. Anything else up front, Nick? I know we talked about the secondary. We talked about the guys up front. We talked about the outside linebackers. There's a big guy that we still need to talk to in the middle of this field, in the middle of this defense. Was there anything else up front, or do you want to go ahead and talk about that linebacker? You know what, I think we should segue to that big linebacker being Danny Trevathan. I, you know what, for me, Will, I only I had him, like, again, we'll have to go back and watch, but there was another op, another chance there where it just seemed like Danny Trevathan was a little slow in coverage. It was over the middle. I forget which receiver tight end caught the ball, but you see, you see Trevathan's number, and you never want to see that because that means he's trailing. And that's, again, something that we saw too many times in week one. But it didn't happen as often in this game. I will say that. So for me, I have to go back and watch and see. But it didn't seem it was as evident, maybe, to where Trevathan is making those miscues or just not being in the right position, right coverage. But what is your take on Danny Trevathan after this week two victory? I feel like the Bears are feeling like he's a liability. Uh, That's why towards the end of the game, they went to their dime. They took him off yeah. the field, and they put in Dion Bush instead uh, because he's stronger. In co- I mean, he's a safety. He's better in coverage. He's a little bit quicker um, against some of these skilled guys. But that fourth and one run or fourth and two, whatever the one, it was at the fourth and goal for the Giants when they ran right up the gut. Trevathan got pushed back right out of that play, and it was right where the you know the runner went, kind of filled that gap. In years past, that's a play you see Danny Trevathan make. You see him blow through that block. You see him make that tackle. You didn't see it this time. You saw him get pushed back about five, six yards into the end zone. And it was a little bit soft up there at the point of attack. And uh, I know last week we were harped on him in coverage. This is one where I'm a little concerned about his ability to even be a solid run supporter and the strength not being there, the aggressiveness not being there to the same impactful aggressiveness or the same degree that we saw in the past. I'm sure you saw that one too, but I think the Bears taking him out towards the end of this game, going more dime. And then really, it's Roquan Smith's job now on third down, where last year, the year before, that was Danny Trevathan being out there as that third down linebacker. But now that's Roquan Smith. He's taken over that. And I'm okay with that. I think Roquan's doing a pretty good job, and I'm excited to see his development here taking over this role. But unfortunately for Danny Trevathan, that's going to carve into his role on this defense. And Maybe he'll still get that step back, that extra gear back, and he's just shaking off the rust. But it did seem like a more of the same of what we saw week one, just not nearly as much of it because the Giants didn't really attack him too much. And the Bears, I thought, had him off the field a little bit more compared to week one. We'd have to look at the snap counts, but at least by watching the game, my gut was we saw less of Danny. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the case in the week one victory over Detroit. Roquan Smith had more snaps than Danny Trevathan. But this was something that, you know, I was hoping the Bears would do coming into the season, allowing Roquan Smith to be the third down linebacker as opposed to Danny Trevathan, because you said it, it was more so Trevathan on the field. But it seems like maybe they're doing this because they're forced to. Not that, like, in a situation where you have more receivers on the field, you want to have Deion Bush in the game. But. Maybe ideally, 
you don't want to feel forced to have to go in that just because Danny Trevathan is a liability. But I see that with Roquan Smith being the guy out there, I think that's just a better move for this Bears defense. And moving forward, Roquan Smith's going to be the guy. He's going to be the one calling the plays, and you have to get him acclimated to playing that role because he didn't do it in 2019. He's doing it now in 2020, and I think that's good for the Bears defense for the future of this unit. And even right now, just to him to get those reps. And look, Deion Bush is in the game. He gets an interception. And there's a couple, there was a player who's also beat, so it's a little inconsistent. But that just might be the best formula right now because Danny Trevathan's still dealing with what he's dealing with, whatever that is, whether it's a mental lapse or just his body saying, like, I can't get to that spot as quick as I used to or hold up and run support on a goal line situation, which is unfortunate because they paid the guy. And that's the Bears linebacker, and they, they chose they chose Trevathan over Nick Kukowski, so they just have to see and wait and see how it really plays out. Yeah, it's one of those you just – it's a risk either way, and you have to really we'll, we'll figure it out. But can't really say too much more on Trevath and uh, Tristan, uh, longtime chat moderator, uh, great friend here of the Chicago Audible. He did say, and it's something that it is worth noting. And we talked about the pass rush, but it was our big three: Mac Hicks, as well as Quinn, who did come away with at least one sack each today. Mingo had his first sack since what 2018 as well, right? So they did have some production. I know Daniel Jones, this Giants offensive line. They're susceptible to giving up some of that pressure, but it still has to be good to see Hicks, Quinn, and Mack, all three coming away with the sack today. And I think as much as we have a slight sour taste in our mouth of how much the Giants were able to come back in the second half and how soft and that prevent kind of mode that the Bears defense went, it's still something that we should be looking at as a positive as those three all getting involved, going after a quarterback and coming down with, with the sack, right? Absolutely. And, you know, even Barkevis Mingo getting a sack, we've seen him a lot on this Bears defense, which I don't know if we were both anticipating to see that thus far through two games, but he's been solid. He hasn't been a guy that you're like, ah, it's Barkevis Mingo out there. That's why they got the big play. Of course, maybe if I go back, there, there might be plays like that, but I think he's done a pretty decent job, especially since I thought he was going to be more of a special teamer and not get as many reps as he has. But with Robert Quinn still coming back from that ankle injury, he's done a solid job. So I like what I'm seeing from him as well. Yeah, I mean, earlier in this offseason, I was skeptical how big his role on this defense would be. I thought he was going to be primarily a guy that would contribute on special teams, perhaps have to play a little bit on defense, but his role's been a little bit bigger. I know Quinn's injury uh, is going to really affect that. And perhaps the healthier Quinn gets the more diminished role we'll see out of Mingo. But like you said, so far, pretty decent results. And James Vodders today, uh, he had himself a couple of nice plays. There's one where I saw him on a bull rush, kind of walk the uh, offensive tackle right back for the Giants right into that pocket. And Vodders is someone that's usually known for winning with speed. And to see him win off of a bull rush that's a good sign, and I know this Bears offensive, offensive, outside linebacker depth is something we've questioned, but so far it's looking like it's a, it's a pretty deep group overall from not to, from top to bottom. Of course, you're not going to have Cleo Mack, Robert Quinn level with Mingo, Fodders, and perhaps even Travis Gibson if he's activated on game day, but overall, I think you got to like what you see out of this outside linebacking core. Yeah, definitely. All right. Anything else about this defense? Any other general things that we need to talk about or any other players that you want to highlight here today? I think for me, when it comes down to it, that's that 11-play, 95-yard touchdown drive that they allowed is the one that really kind of sticks to me the most. Outside of that one drive, 
I feel pretty good about what this defense was able to do. I know the following one, they gave up a field goal, 10 plays, 47 yards, though, but they made it pretty difficult. They bend there, but they don't break. And then the end of the game, of course, they allow them to get all the way down to the 10-yard line, and luckily they're able to, again, not completely break on there. But the big one, that 95-yard drive, which this Giants offense, without Saquon Barkley, without Shepard out there, this defense, if they were playing to the level that I expect them to play and they weren't playing so far back and in that prevent mode, there's no way that drive should have happened. And I think Pagano needs to look at a way to make sure it doesn't happen again. I don't care if it's a big play you give up. Okay, at least you're playing your defense. But to let a march, I mean, to me, that was a little demoralizing uh, for this game overall. Yeah, I, I agree. But you know what? Overall, look, they held the Giants to 1-3. and three. In the red zone, two turnovers, only gave up the 13 points. It's improvement from week one, and I think if you complement that with some you know, offensive football in the second half where the Bears are actually scoring, maybe things change a little bit. Robert Quinn gets a little healthier. Things, are, I think, are going in the right direction for this defense. We just got to see, again, what's exactly happening, why are those long drives happening, especially against an offense that didn't have many weapons, had a – you know, a just a bad offensive line, I, I would say, in, in the Giants. And then losing your star running back, it's not, like you said, acceptable. But they are heading in the right direction. Absolutely. I think one other positive, i just like to throw them out here, is the fact that off of those two interceptions that we threw on offense, we only gave up six points. If it was 14, we're talking about a Bears loss here. So the fact that the defense was able to hold strong, after those two interceptions, I believe what the first interception they started it at their own at, at our twenty-five, and they only gained four yards, and they had to settle for a field goal. And then on the following interception, uh, they did march a little bit more down the field. Uh, they but they ended up at, with still good field position at their own thirty-four, but still two turnovers, but only six points off those turnovers. Uh, defense helping out the offense uh, when those mistakes did happen. Uh, so that's another to me a takeaway that we should. Make sure that we're mentioning here. But all right, Nick, if you don't have anything else, we can move on into our fourth quarter of our show and talk about, well, quick hit on special teams. Uh, I was going to have nothing but great remarks, and then we missed a field goal. And my, my tune changes a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to see where Cairo – I mean, Cairo Santos up to that point was doing fairly well. What was it, a 50 – trying to see here. Um of course, a, I don't have it right in front of me. It was it was a good distance, though. Well, I mean, not not to make that as the excuse for Cairo Santos missing the field goal, and he barely missed it. But it's, I think I was expecting for you know Cairo Santos to miss at some point, right? I mean, look, yes. Eddie Pinero is not you know uh, not obviously on IR right now, and Cairo Santos goes perfect against the Detroit Lions. When that attempt even came up, I'm like. I'm not quite pegged to put the three on the board for the Bears. Like You can't do that at any point with Bears kickers. But especially right then and there, it just seemed like it was it was opportune time for Cairo Sanders just to miss it, and it did happen. So that wasn't good. There was also there was some good, though, from Tariq Cohen, and that he didn't fair catch the ball deep inside his own territory, and the ball actually ended up going into the end zone. The ball, the Bears get the ball at the 20 as opposed to wherever he would normally fair catch it at. True. Improvement. Improvement from Tariq Cohen on the decision-making aspect. There was one play, though, by DeAndre Houston Carson on one of the punts where there's only there's two gunners. 
I don't know where DeAndre Houston Carson. I don't know where he's looking, but he's not looking at the gunner he's supposed to block, and the gunner ends up being within the vicinity of Tariq Cohen, and I think he's forced to make a you know a fair catch quickly and has no chance for a return. I'm like thinking to myself and putting in my notes like that's your one job. Just do your job. That's why I always pegged you to not be on this team for like those little mistakes. So that was something from DeAndre Houston Carson that I know Brandon wouldn't like to hear. Yeah, right. Uh, no, for sure. I think for uh, Santos, that kick was out of – that was from 50 uh, even. Uh, but, again, I mean, he was bound to miss one. And, of course, they had to be at Soldier Field, so the curse continues there for him. But uh, overall – Hey, we only had a punt three times. Now, granted, we maybe had a punt on two of those uh, interception drives, but uh, only being out there a few times today for O'Donnell, and uh, two of those three did end up inside of the 20 as well. So outside of that, Nick, anything else on special teams? No, and I think that's – Cordell Patterson didn't have as many opportunities to, I guess, break it out for a, you know a big, long run there. But I just like that he's willing – to at least take it out of the end zone and see where he can go with it because you, he needs to take those opportunities because you never know what the Cordell Patterson, what he's able to do with it. And he's such a hard runner. So you never know if there's going to be someone that just misses a tackle or he just finds that hole and just takes it up the middle for a big gain. So um, I think he just needs to keep continue doing what he's doing there and the opportunity will come where he'll, he'll you know get a big one hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. I don't have anything further here on the third phase for myself. Uh, Cohen, though, I mean, Nick, you mentioned those good moments for him, at least in terms of not fair catching deep in his own territory. Luckily, it came on the same day that he signed his brand-new contract, so maybe like in there had a clause, like, you will not fair catch the ball inside the five or else you will be penalized X amount of money. So... <laughs> Yeah, that news broke right before midnight. And, you know, if you're seeing any contract extension news, you're thinking, is it Allen Robinson? And it happened to be Tariq which is a big part of the Bears offense. But I'm glad that, you know, we saw some improvement there. And that's something that has been, you've been wanting to see from Tariq for a while now. Let's just say that. No, for sure. All right, so let's move in to our MVB. People are probably wondering where to go. So if you don't remember and you're still listening at this point, we're hiding it or we're pushing it down to the fourth quarter just because we're talking about everyone. We get to kind of put our thoughts out there. Now it makes sense to make a more rationalized MVB choice. For me, Nick, I'm going to go with David Montgomery here. Again, leading the team in total yards, 127 total yards on the ground, averaged over five yards per carry, 15 yards per catch. And he came back after hurting his neck with a really awkward fall there in the second quarter of this game. And he really did get better as the game wore on when the Bears needed to sustain a long drive and kill some clock. And Matt Nagy called his number. He was able to find the holes, find the creases, fight through contact, and come away with consistent double-digit runs, which we didn't see any of last year. So for me, Montgomery showing up as a runner late, but also being effective as a receiver. He, not going to throw the comparison out there, Nick, but I felt like I haven't seen a catch and run kind of like that almost since like a Matt Forte. I mean, yes, Tariq Cohen, but I do count Cohen more as that receiving back. But Montgomery being someone who's a runner first, to have that kind of a play along the sideline and then cut it in towards the middle and finish that play for a touchdown, reminiscent of Matt Forte-ish. Again, not maybe as fast or as shifty, but... 
felt good to see it out of 32. Reminded me a little bit of 22. But for me, I'm going to give it to Montgomery uh, for my MVB, which, if I remember correctly, I think he was my prediction for my MVB. So, aha, I'm going to double check it real quick, though. Yeah, there you go. You got our one for one there. Um, but so I think for my MVB, I wanted to see if I could pick somebody on the defense. And there's probably guys worthy of it. I have to agree with you, though, Will. I liked David Montgomery and just the impact he made in this game. It wasn't just a, a rushing standpoint. It was also in the receiving game, like you mentioned earlier in the show, leading the leading the Bears in that category as well. But just how hard he was hitting some of those holes and just taking advantage of those pulling guards, uh, Darnell Mooney even blocking in the interior for him, and being able to fight back through that injury really shows why the Bears thought let's move up in the third round to go get this guy so he can be our feature back in this you know Matt Nagy offense and you saw on display today what he's capable of and that's why the Bears did have success a lot of it in that first half just with what David Montgomery's able to do and just that last drive I, I know I said earlier you wish you see points out of it or, or something come out of you know trying to just not just have chew clock but points out of it but David Montgomery is a big part of why the Bears are able to able to take away some time off the clock and limiting the Giants and their opportunities there so big day for David Montgomery you just hope that he could stay healthy throughout the course of a season you never like to see him like jump over uh, a lineman and then land right on his head and then the groin injury on top of it he's already like taking a beating so far but he's doing well so through two games and I just want to see where he'll end up at the end of 16 games, what the stats look like, because, I, like I said, I've always expected big things out of him, and we're starting to see it. So I have to give my MVB also to Dave Montgomery. Awesome. I had for Montgomery, I had him as my MVB prediction. I said he'd get 110 rushing yards. He didn't get that, but he had 120 total and about 5.5 yards to carry. He got 5.1. I said he'll chew up the clock when needed. That happened. Defense staying fresh, that is yet to be determined. Uh, I'm surprised, though, you didn't go with uh, good old Bobby Massey for coming in clutch. I think if we would have got points in that drive, he would have perhaps been not just the MVB, but the monster moment of the game if we would have got points in that drive. Yeah, that was, going back to that play call, I don't know. It's just a rollout. You're trying to force the ball into Jimmy Graham, and by some grace of God, like that ball lands in Bobby Massey's hands, and he's able to get the first uh, that's not how they drew it up, but it, again, a questionable play call by Matt Nagy. I thought it was going back to the offense real quick, Will, way back in the show. Just how they kind of ended, I think, the first half. They had all three timeouts, and they wasted one of the plays, or the play that they were wasting time to, to play to call was just a design, design run to Mitch, and they don't really even call any of the timeouts. I think they ended up scoring, but it was just a weird way of managing the game uh you, I, I don't know i've seen a couple of those times now for matt Nagy through two games where it's like okay we're this is this is your play call on this very crucial down or very crucial time in the game so that fourth down one and how they ended really that that first half was i think questionable for me well i mean that's a tough one i mean you're already up 10-0 i was okay with it because the last thing you wanted to do is give the giants a lot of time They find some points, and then they also start the second half with the ball. Now, of course, if they don't end up, the Bears don't end up with points here, and something like that still happens, then okay, I think that's an issue. But they did luckily come away with the points. They finished that drive. I believe they 
only left about 14, 20 seconds left on the clock uh, as the first half expired. So to do that, to end with points right before the half is over, to take that 17-0 lead, I'm okay. I mean, again, I can live with that. It worked out really well, and I didn't want them to give the Giants too much time to perhaps find some points before the half. And I think we're lucky that they didn't because if they do find some points and some of that momentum earlier, who knows how this game could have shifted because it did come down to a final play. So I understand after week one, though, why you would have some skepticism to the Bears' clock management when it comes to the end of the first half. But I was... I thought it was acceptable here. Again, it worked out in our favor, and it could have changed. It could have been different, um, but at least for today, it did, and I was okay with it. I don't know if I tweeted back at you, but you said that. I'm like, oh, no, I'm okay. Good. We can have a little bit of discussion about this, and we forgot about it until now. Um, But, no, I'm okay with it, but I can see why you would be perhaps a little flustered. Yeah, like I said, I mean, they came out way with points is what you want to see. It's just at the time when it was happening, it's like, all right, we saw what you did at the end of the first half last week against Detroit. Why Why am I thinking about like similar thoughts right now, Matt Nagy? But they came away with points. I'm just complaining to complain, and I often do that, but that's all right. <laughs> is it? Uh, in my head, it is. Okay. So I'm going to, you know. All right, so before I go and I check my fantasy football teams and wallow in some self-pity because I know they're not doing well, I started Anthony Miller in like three leagues because he was on my bench in like three leagues last week. I was like, oh, now's the week to play him. Oh, man, so I feel bad for him and his day because that's definitely all my fault. Uh, Let's go ahead and start off with our two-minute warning. This is where we kind of wrap up our thoughts on this week's game, put him in a season-long perspective and start to move and look ahead. So Nick, with that, let's go to you for your two-minute warning. Yeah, so the Bears are, are 2-0. They're obviously in a good spot in the win column, but still after a victory, their second consecutive first at Soldier Field this season, it just, there's a lot lot of questions. That I said that in the beginning of the show that I want to have answered. Offensive standpoint, defensive standpoint, even, you know, at times on special teams, but the Bears are 2-0, and I can't be too mad about that. And, you know, it's hard to get victories in the NFL, but I just want to see more consistency from Mitchell Trubisky. I want to see, you know, Anthony Miller just have a bounce-back game, even Allen Robinson going into Week 3. And then defensively, like I said earlier in the third quarter of our show, I like where the defense is going. Let's clean up those those long, you know, 11-play, 90-something-yard drive, whatever it may be. Because you can't have that, especially given the amount of talent that's on that Bears defense. If we could get some kind of mixture of a happy medium of you know a good offense, but we know the defense could be excellent, you're in a good spot with the Bears. But at 2-0, and you would think that I'm just ecstatic about this team, but that's not the feeling right now. They barely escaped from a New York Giants team that was missing a lot of offensive weapons, but they survived. And you'll take that, but you need to see guys collectively improve just schematically the plays kind of maybe even cater to maybe a Mitch Trubisky's favorite and say I don't know what exactly it is the Bears just need to get better at being more consistent they do that hey they they had a favorable first quarter schedule and they are so far 2-0 and and that's exactly what they need to be there just needs to be improvement in certain areas of this football team and then we'll see once it comes to the second quarter where they start to play some actual opponents. But that's my two-minute warning. They're 2-0. and Be happy about it, but expect more. You should expect to see improvement because if they don't, 
then we're going to come to problems later in the season. Nick, after week two, how many teams out of 32 do you think are hoping to be more consistent? Probably all of them, yes. but I need to see more consistency. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I'm just making sure it's nothing that's unique to the Bears. I think every team is going to be looking to improve and be more consistent. And again, I know with no preseason, I don't want to make that even excuse here because at this rate, we're two weeks in and every team's facing it. But I think that's why a lot of teams are inconsistent and why some of these comebacks are happening across the league uh, for sure. But when it comes to this game specifically, I felt it coming the whole time. Like we talked about it in the preview show. Like it's a team that the Bears should beat. There shouldn't be too much of an issue. And heck, even Barkley going down should have made that job so much easier for the Bears. But in just true Chicago Bears fashion, they found a way to really make your heart race, really take some years off of your life, add a little bit of drama into this game because that's just really how each and every Sunday tends to unfold here, at least as of late, uh, for our Chicago Bears. So even though it was halftime and it was 17-0, my kid's like, oh, we got this one. I was like, don't say it. I, <laughs> we have a whole half to go and just let's relax and just let's see how it plays out and I knew it wasn't going to be as easy as it was seeming to be. I saw even a few beat writers like starting to get some narratives in place. Like, can they, you know, actually stomp on a team for all four quarters? Can they put together a complete game here? I'm like, why are we saying all these things yet? It's only been a half. We have the other one to go, and yeah, it just consistency all four quarters. Uh, finding a way to not even if they. How about this? Not even straight consistency where you're just dominating all four quarters. How about we limit the valleys? Because they're so deep. Like when the Bears go and they struggle, they really struggle. We saw that in offense last week. Salt and Spurts in offense this week in the second half in defense too. We just got to find a way to even it out a little bit. I don't, I mean, you can get really high. I'm not going to complain with, you know, ultra production on either side of the ball, but whenever the production dips, they need to find a way to really even those out a little better, at least not let them go uh, as deeply as they have so far. So for me, that's the big one. Uh, but yeah, I saw a lot of people in the chat, you know, you only beat the Lions and you only beat the Giants. Well, the only thing you can do is beat the team that you're scheduled to play. And the Bears, as tough as they've been, uh, maybe not as close as it should have been, or it's closer than maybe they both should have been, they found a way to get it done. One week at a time, one game at a time, and I'll take a 2-0 team. First time the Bears have been 2-0 since 2013. Granted, it's also the first time they're 1-0 since 2013. <laughs> Jimmy Graham's career season was 2013. Nick Foles, 2013. Robert Quinn, I think, was 2013. Just saying, a lot of 2013s coming back here uh, in 2020. But outside of that, a couple of veterans I just mentioned. Got to highlight those rookies one more time. Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, Ryan Pace looking like a genius for both of those draft picks right now. Hopefully Cole Komet and company tight ends starting week three is the time that they started getting acclimated into this offense just a little bit more but as a Chicago Bears fan being 2-0 I'm feeling pretty good granted it wasn't as pretty as we all would like but I'll take an ugly win under a pretty loss every week all season long so the Bears are 2-0 Nick before we go uh, quickly quickly uh, letter grade for this game I'm going to give it a C plus because last week I gave it the B minus because they came back to win I'll flip it and go on the other side of this because they almost allowed the Giants to walk themselves into a comeback. Uh, they were, luckily, it didn't happen, but it came down to literally the final play. So for me, I'm going to give it a C plus. I'm trying to remember what I gave it last week, but I think it was a a C plus. Mm-hmm. 
if I if I'm not mistaken. Since oh man, this is a tough one for me. I I think I'll give them a solid C. Okay. Um, look, they 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 had a great first half, but just nothing was clicking offensively in the in the second half. They didn't score any points, and we still saw the defense give up some things, but we saw them play better. You know what? Now I just talked myself into another C plus. That's what I literally <laughs> just did. It's a C plus again, and we're still seeing both sides, the bad and the good. Those valleys you were talking about. So. C pluses thus far. The C, they're 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 wins though, but I just need to see again, like you were talking about. Well, a little bit more consistency, and like every team probably wants to see, unless you're the Chiefs, um, more consistency in just a positive direction. But a C plus again. One thing that makes me happy though, I was looking at the NFC North standings. By the way, the Bears are tied for first with Green Bay at two and zero. The other two teams are zero and two. Um, but the points allowed, the Bears are atop at only 36 points allowed. Uh, then it's Green Bay at 55. I think the Lions at 69, and then Minnesota at 71. The bottom two may have flipped. Uh, I lost a tab in my browser. But the Bears allowing 19 less points than the next team in the division uh, is another testament to this defense. And I know, again, strength of opponent may play a factor in here now. But for a Bears defense that's hoping to get back to that 2018 form, uh, that's a number that I like to see, and we'll see if it kind of sticks through here as we are now one-eighth of the way through the season. It happens fast. Uh, already one-eighth of the way there. But I want to thank everyone who's here watching our post-game show live. We had three Super Chats come in. So Chris Lopez, Brand Man. I saw another one come in from Nate late here in the show. just want to say thank you for all three. Nick, before we go, do you want to let fans know we do our shout-outs on our preview show each week. So quickly, before we go, let fans who are listening know how they can get a shout-out on our show and help support us along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to get your name uh, shouted out on the show, all you have to do is you know, send us any kind of donation. And whatever you're feeling, Will and I will greatly appreciate that. And we accept donations through Venmo and PayPal. The Venmo that you can look up is at the Chicago Audible. Then PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. So either through Venmo or PayPal, whatever you feel is is right, Will and I, like I said, will greatly accept that, and we'll give you a shout-out in, in response on the preview show. So you have to go next week. usually do those on Thursday, so make sure you check that out, and you'll get your shout-out. But everybody that's donated so far, thank you so much. But that's how you can get your next shout-out on Venmo at the Chicago Audible and then at PayPal, www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. There you go. Make sure if you want to support the show and maybe you don't have any monetary means right now and you're just looking for other ways, tell a fellow Bears fan, tell a friend, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to join the live chat after games, which is always a fun party. Uh, on top of that, rate or review our show on Apple Podcasts. Each review we get helps us perhaps link to more sponsorships, help us get in front of them a little bit more. And on top of that, uh, it helps Bears fans know that we're a podcast that fans like to listen to. So that'd be helpful. And then, Nick, uh, I know Amazon and their uh, Amazon Music uh, launched podcasts and just this past week. And we were luckily enough to be included um, in Amazon's podcast directory here for the its debut. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's really – I mean, it's another audience for us to hopefully – you know, get into and that people will will look for a Bears podcast and hopefully find us there. So it's awesome that we're just expanding and allowing fans to just listen to us on a different medium. Absolutely. Up next, we'll be meeting the Atlanta Falcons with guests to be decided. Uh, so let's see if we can square one of those away. Not a lot of Falcons podcasts out there, Nick. Just letting you know, it's a it's a fan base that doesn't get behind the mic uh, like a lot of others. 
So it's pretty interesting. But that's, that's interesting, yeah. We'll see what we can do this week, uh, but we'll figure it out regardless. Expect a great week of preview content from Nick and myself as we get towards week three. I want to thank you again for listening to our post-game show. Again, the Chicago Bears win by the final score of 17-13, to 13, moving to 2-0 and on the year. Nick, I never had the privilege of talking about a 1-0 Bears team before, and now we have a whole week to get to discuss a 2-0 and Chicago Bears team. So I'm feeling pretty awesome about that. But everyone, enjoy your second victory Monday of the 2020 season, and we'll talk to you soon. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.